Good morning, Good Saints. Good morning. All right. Today is uh, November the 2nd. <clears throat> We're somewhere upon the face of this earth, this beautiful earth God has for us in our RV. Uh, and, but we're going to have daybreak. We're going to have our daily Bible study. So we're going to play this sucker and we'll get going. I just keep squirming around till I find my spot. It's time to lift our hearts to Jesus. It's time to break some holy bread. Grab your coffee and your Bible. Well, are you there? Let's let me get over here. Good morning. So we're gonna do one of our songs. I don't know. Have we ever done this? Yes, lots. Okay, of it's just testimony while more of you guys are finding us. <laughs>
Amen. Good job, Good. Mama. Yeah, well, I'm all you got now. <laughs> Love you. Oh, man. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Yes, Bro Charles, yes. We run oft. R-U-N-N-O-F-T. <laughs> Just for a few days. We'll be heading back home tomorrow. Uh, get home, have Shabbat with our family when kids come over. But yes, we ran off. Have a little time. Just Lisa and I, we've been playing a lot of games. I've been playing some board games with her. Uh, he's, I don't, been, he's been very bored. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play a lot of games, so I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to play games. So, let's see. Yesterday we ended with, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. And uh, I shared with you how, yes, you could spiritually use that to preach a lot of sermons, I'm sure. And I'm not down in that at all. But to realize that Joshua divided the land to the people. There was a there's a division of the land, and they set landmarks. Uh, and it was not right for you to move that landmark to take what did not belong to you, what God had established that was yours. And that is the first context of what he's talking about. Uh, stay within your borders. Stay within your lane. So there's a lot of spiritual sermons you could certainly preach off of this. Uh, but just want to be sure to talk about the original context and to say, as I said yesterday, and I'll start out with once again this morning, Israel, there's only one nation upon the earth, okay, that has a deed from God himself that God declared, this is your borders. Now, as I have looked, I'm, I'm not sure. Brother Charles, I wonder what your opinion is on this. But as best I could tell, probably those borders, the full borders will not be met till the Lord returns, probably, till, till Jesus, Yeshua, sits on the throne. Uh, because I don't see really a time where their borders were that large, but I could be missing something. But in my mind, I can't think of a time when the borders of Israel was as large as was designated by the Lord himself. This is your borders. You know, because the river Euphrates is quite a way from, ways from them now. And I don't know that they ever conquered that entire land that, that is portioned off for them. But regardless, they have a deed from the Lord. They belong to that land. Well, for sure. And anybody that studies this knows that land was desolate. There was nothing there. Mark Twain wrote about this until... The migration started happening and people started coming back to the land. Now the land is blossoming and blooming. What, baby? Yeah, I was going to say, um, even in, I think it's in Judges, when it starts talking about, you know, some of those areas they were supposed to take, they didn't take. And some of those exactly. people they were supposed to run off, they, they didn't, didn't put them off. out. That's that's my point. Yeah, so, you know, I think. And he said, if you don't do what I'm telling you and, and, and get them out, well, a long time ago, he said, they'll always be a thorn to you. They'll all, you'll always have problems with them. Now, that being said, I imagine since I am a pastor and I am a Bible teacher, that I should at least give a little bit of opinion on what's going on today, because uh, I get asked that a lot. Um, if you read Ezekiel 38, 
you will read where it talks about not only God gathering them back into the land from all the nations, uh, gathering his people back to the land from all the nations, but you get to a portion where it says that basically their cities will be unwalled and they will dwell safely. Now, I could be wrong about this. I'm just giving you my, my personal opinion as I see Scripture. Uh, though I do see it's prophetic that the land, that the people of the book have come back into the land, and prophetic 67 and having Jerusalem again, though I do see that, I have not, in my mind, the time has not come yet to where they're dwelling safely from their enemies. Now, the way I see scripture and the way that I see the eschatological model is that there is a time of peace that is that is unmeasured. And during that time of peace, it is broken. And so as I look upon the horrific things that are happening today, the terrible wars, you know, we just we just pray for innocence everywhere, the innocent everywhere. Uh, we pray for swift victory uh, for those who have to get terrorism away from them, for the Israelites. Uh, and and with all those prayers that we're praying, most likely, this is my opinion. This may be maybe the war that will lead to a peace agreement. This may be the war. I, I used to preach many years ago. I've really not changed my views on this. I used to preach that it will take something like a World War III that will bring the world into a place to say never again. This cannot happen again. Like we've already said, hello. Yes, and that never again, which is what everybody is saying. And so that will cause the world stage to, to force a peace agreement, a unity uh, that could be described in the end times or in the book of Revelation, the seven-year covenant that is that is broken in the middle of it. I have not seen what I could relate to as that covenant happening yet. And so in my mind, in my preaching, I've always still been looking for the next war or the set of wars that's going to bring about a unity in the world. Something has to say to Israel Okay, you have a right to exist. You have a right to the land. Uh, now, it's a false agreement, but it is a, a time of peace for a period of time. I hope that makes sense. Now, I could be totally wrong. I mean, we could be headed towards Jacob's trouble now. But I don't think we are. I think we're on the, the, the preliminary wars that leads to some kind of agreement in the Middle East. Uh and I see that agreement. I actually, you know, when you are reading in uh, Ezekiel 38, and I think you read Sheba and Dedan, uh, you know, we're talking about Saudi Arabia here, uh, you know, Persia and Libya. You know, you're talking about Iran. You're talking about uh, North African countries. So, so it's very interesting. Prophecy is very interesting, and I just encourage you. When you're reading prophecy and you read these old names, try to translate them and look where those, look at those places on a map and then look at where that is today, because it's the same people, same area. All right. 
That being said, let's go to verse 29. I guess I spent a little time there, but I get asked a lot of questions like that. And, you know, I should have an opinion and I do have an opinion. That doesn't mean my opinion is right. But that's kind of what uh, where I think, what I think is happening. All right, verse 29 says this. Now we're in Proverbs 22, 29. It's the last verse of this chapter. And it says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Uh, excels in his work means excellence. He is an excellent worker. You put him on a job. I mean, any guys, any of you guys that's ever been over a crew or you've needed anything done, you know what it's like when you put the guy on the job and you don't even have to worry about him. You don't have to worry. He's going to get it done. He excels in work, okay? That excellent work ethic propels you to be before greater people, right? And that's that's what this is talking about. He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. It propels him, you know? Uh, my son-in-law has an excellent work ethic, uh, which enables him to be able to get work, you know? And people's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll give you work. I'll give you work. When he might not give somebody else work, he'll say, I'll give you work, right? Well, this, this same kind of thought is in the Lord's mind when he talks about the talents, right? In working for the kingdom. He says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who, you know, he called his servants together and he gave each of them talents. He gave to one, ten, one, five, one, two, you know, and one, one. Then when he comes back, he's like, oh, you've done well. So here's... I, I may have quoted it a little wrong. I, I don't remember exactly for sure. I, just last minute that come to my thought of him rewarding. He rewards. So it brings you before the king. Oh, you have well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a few things here. And he gives him authority over 10 cities. He gives another one authority over five cities. Now, everyone that's born again is going to be in the kingdom. Everyone that's saved by the grace of God is going to be in the kingdom. But your rewards and what the authority that you are given and the throne position that you get, okay, in the book of Revelation, he promises the church. The church is the bride of Christ. He promises the church, you that overcome, and endure unto the end, you will sit with me on my throne. I will give you authority over the nations to rule them with a rod of iron. Okay? And so he taught this in his in his teaching as well. He told his apostles, you guys are going to be on thrones right here in Jerusalem, in, in Israel. You're going to sit on thrones here. So he's a king of kings, right? Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's who Yeshua is. Je Jesus is the, the high king, the top king, the king that every other king is under. But the promise to his church, you read it in the book of Revelation, he promises his church, letters to the seven churches. You endure, you keep my words to the end, I'm going to give you authority over the nations. And so, but that authority is going to be, how faithful have we been? How have we worked for the kingdom? And then we're going to be rewarded accordingly. All right. 
So great work ethic is good. Let's go to, now we enter into Proverbs chapter 23. And one through three, here we go. He says this, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. So this warning is to warn you against the seductions. Now here's, you know, first context, he's talking about a ruler. You go to sit down, you eat with a ruler, he puts a spread out before you, he's observing you, he's watching you, don't be one given to appetite, you know, don't give in to your appetite, be controlled, have self-control, consider carefully what is before you. In other words, don't let it seduce you. Uh, C.S. Lewis put in, uh, what's that, Narnia, a kid's movie, Narnia, in the books that was translated into the movie. You remember, what was that? It was called A Turkish Delight, right? There was this, you know, the the witch, the, the witch is seducing, what was the boy's name? I can't remember. She was seducing the boy and pulling him in with food, right? Food can be a seduction as well. But it is also a metaphor of many things that we get we get sucked in, we get seduced, and we can become deceived. Because when that ruler is bringing you, you know, he, he may want something from you. And so he's observing you, he's giving you, but you know, the rulers are not giving you for nothing. There's a purpose behind it. There's a reason behind it. And that's what that's what these wise sayings are warning of. They're saying, be careful. Be careful now. You sit down to eat with a ruler and he puts this big spread out. Be careful how you act. Don't just go crazy. <laughs> Put a knife to your throat just means control yourself, you know. Get a hold of yourself. Control yourself is all he's saying. If you're a man given to appetite, which... Edmund. Edmund. There we go, Edmund. Thank you, guys. Did somebody type that in? No. Lisa, you came up with that. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, babe. The next one is 23, Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, and they fly away like an eagle toward heaven. <laughs> and so, remember, when we ended chapter 22, right? When we ended chapter 22, excellent work is good. It exalts you. Being a good worker is a good thing. Scriptures are very plain about this. It's wise to be a good worker, okay? But what this proverb is saying, don't overdo it. Don't overwork to be rich. Because riches have a way of flying away, okay? And basically, what he's saying is, what is your motive for what you're doing? And you got to be careful. Everybody has to be careful here. You know, it's, it's like the person that won't take a Sabbath, will never take a Sabbath. Like, I got to work. 
I got to work. You don't understand. I got to work. No, you don't understand that your riches can fly away. Honor God. Be sure to honor God. Okay. God says, get your work done in six days. Take a day off and honor me. Take a day off and honor me. And you say, oh, I can't take a day off and honor God. Okay, well, guess what? You're going to struggle, struggle, struggle. I mean, Lisa and I struggled, struggled, struggled till we learned this concept. It's like, seek first the kingdom of God. Put him first. Do what he says. And you know what? He tends to make things go better. Now, see, some of our riches still seem to fly away, but it's not as bad. Well, and the thing is, when that's not where your heart is, you don't really worry about it. You, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's just not that important to you. And so uh, you don't, you don't worry about it. If if you're striving and striving and striving yes. for the gain of this world, then it hurts you when you don't get it. Yeah. But if you're just striving for the kingdom, then you don't really care about the things of this world which come and go fleetingly. Amen. And, and notice the key to this is overwork. Do not overwork. God knows that you need things and he, he rewards hard work. But don't be silly about it and watch your motives. Now, I'll end with this today. Watching your motives. You know your motives can change. That's a good point. So I have personally, personally I know people, okay, that began, okay, I'm pretty good at making money. You know what I'm going to do? That's how I'm going to bless the kingdom. That's what I'm going to do. I'm good at making money, so I'm going to make money and then give and give and give to these missionaries and we'll give to God's work, which is a great motive, okay? I'm, I'm even behind that. I'm like, hey, that's good. Some of you guys are really good, and that, that's, a, that's a good heart to have. It's a beautiful heart to have, and that's a good place to be in the kingdom. Problem is, after the money starts coming in, what then is enough? And then instead of actually sending it out, you know, the finer, the nicer, finer things start taking over. Well, oh, man, it'd be nice to have that and be nice to have that. And the next thing you know, not that they're not giving, I'm not saying they're not giving, but I'm saying the whole idea of I'm going to make a ton of money and I'm going to live off this much and give away this much shifts and they end up making a ton of money and they're just living excellent lives and still giving a small amount away yeah. uh which you know that's up to god i'm just saying our motives can that's change yeah. we have to watch be careful about our our motives because the lord remember the lord looked at a woman he pointed to a woman that put in the treasury two mites two mites was nothing and he looks at his disciples, or not just his disciples, he says, I tell you, this woman put in more than any of you, because the rest of you all gave out of your abundance. She put in everything she had. She put in everything she had. And so the way God counts us, he, the way he looks, he looks at her heart. And when he sees your love for the Lord, your love for the kingdom, he recognizes that. And there's a lot of you daybreakers out there, you have good good hearts for the kingdom's work thank you for everything you do for god's kingdom because there's no doubt that you're you're affecting people's life and god's taking account of that he's watching he knows and when those when the day of rewards comes you're gonna you're gonna have such a reward you're gonna have such a reward
Amen. Thank you for being here. Bob said, yeah, it's like some people saying they can't afford to tithe. It's like, you know, you have to, you, will a man rob God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and like, you remember Geneva and bless her little old heart. And she used to always come up short, like really short. Yeah, she at the end always of the month. come up short at the end of the month because she lived she off the fixed income. And said she couldn't, you know, I can't tithe. I don't have enough money. I can't even make my bills by the end of the month. And then God really impressed upon her and she started tithing. Right. And then she was like, I don't understand it. You don't understand my how it happens, but you start making it. Now I have money at the end of the month. I've tithed first. I've given God my first fruits. Yeah. And he has blessed me. God says, <laughs> That's a true story, trust guys. Trust me. Trust me. Try, try me, he says. See if I won't give it down. <laughs> true <laughs> story. Down, that is a down. true story. And just in case you didn't hear, this sister is with the Lord now. We loved her so much. But she couldn't make her bill. She lived off fixed income. She just couldn't do it. But she started giving God. She couldn't afford to give God. She started, it was of her own volition, she started making sure I am going to give God his portion. And then from that time on, she just marveled at how then she was able to make it. Yep. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for paying attention and listening and studying. We'll be here tomorrow morning. Yeah. We ain't going to leave out at 8 o'clock, okay. right? Yes, we'll be here tomorrow, one more day, and then we'll head out and go home. Yep. It's a little bit chilly in this RV right now. (laughs) You're fine. Put on a jacket. Put on a jacket. (laughs) All right. Lord bless you and keep you. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. You want to come up here and sit with me and say it? Yeah. Yep. I keep you warm, baby. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Shalom, y'all. Shalom. See you tomorrow, Lord willing. Bye. Boop, boop.